We are here as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. That's why we gather. That's why we're here. Because we are jointed together. And nothing will separate us from Christ and his love for us. That's assured because of the cross, because of the entrance, because of the way that we have come into his kingdom and into his family. Praise his name. And one of the things, one of the the only thing that he left for us of evidence or that we can participate in is what we're going to commemorate, what we're going to do this morning. And so, you know, I've been doing a series on what is the church, what is baptism, and this morning, what is communion or what is the Lord's Supper. And so that's why we're gathering in tight right now. When we come to this celebration, this is not something that is heavy and mournful, but it is something that we come together with joy. That's how it was celebrated in the early church. They came together with joy and rejoicing to encourage one another for what they understood the Lord had done for them. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to center on what Jesus has done for us and specifically go through the process of entering in and being part of the disciples that reach all the way back to the first century who walked with Jesus, who were with him day and night, and who listened to his voice. And they shared with us then the scriptures that we're going to be looking at. And so that we are participatory. It means that we are participating in an actual exercise, reminder, a entering into really understanding the body of Christ, his giving of himself for us, so that we not be ignorant, so that we not be just fuzzy about, well, what was that all about? I feel that the Lord, since the Lord wants us to really understand what communion is. Okay? I would like to lead us in a time of prayer just to prepare our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you sent your son. You sent Yeshua. You sent us a Joshua. You sent us a Savior. You sent us a Lord and a King. Your dear son. And Lord, as we are gathered here this morning, we ask that by the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us, who have believed and confessed him as Savior and Lord, that same Holy Spirit would bring to us in this room, in this place, at this time, a revelation, an understanding, a particular word of encouragement, of joy, of expression, so that we participate 
in what has been practiced throughout the ages in Christendom, in the church. We come to, to this to understand exactly what you meant when you said that we are the body of Christ. We don't really have a good grasp of that yet. Would you open our eyes, our hearts, so that we know after this morning what you have done for us and what you will do for us? Thank you, Father, for your grace to us through Jesus Christ, your Son. Lead us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The Passover. When year after year, the Passover lamb was slain and that lamb was taken into the homes and eaten with unleavened bread, the participation in this with the disciples in the upper room. And you know, you've seen the picture. And I was going to put it up here, but I thought, well, no, we don't need that picture anymore. I think we've all got it in our memory of the disciples sitting around this table, all 12 of them, and Jesus is there. And a friend of mine years and years ago said, do you know what was said just before that picture was taken? All right, guys, everybody over on the other side of the table for the picture. That is not the way it happened. That's not a true picture of what happened that evening. They were there celebrating a Passover meal together and participating in the breaking of the bread and the wine that they had, celebrating Passover, Seder. They have done this for, not they particularly, but Israel had done this for years and years and years. And basically, this was the Last Supper. There's another terminology that we have for it. Or it has been called the breaking of bread. Which means, basically, in, in many languages, having a meal together. And that's what it was. That's what this is. Or it's been called the Eucharist. And some of us associate that with a very high level of the Anglican Church or even the Catholic Church of being very, very formal and mystical. But Eucharist, you know what it means? Blessed are you, O Lord God. Blessed be your name. That's what Eucharist means. So this is a praise to the Lord God, us participating like this. This is something that Jesus desired to eat with us. He said, I desire to eat this Passover with you. He was looking forward to this. This was the highlight, I believe, of his joy before the agony of his death because he was with those who the Father had given to him. And 
That is what we participate in. Communion, as I like to call it, is community. Community is where we get the word communion. We're a community. We're a town. We're a organization that is living and moving. It's not just something we say, you know, we talked about the church a few weeks ago. And the church is something very different than the concept of, well, I used an illustration of here's the church, here's the steeple, look inside and see all the people. That's a very wrong concept of what the church is. And so we need to adjust our thinking. And that's what I'm trying to do with this sermon series that I'm doing. I hope it jogs you a lot so that you're thinking. What is communion? The Old Testament background was in Genesis 3.21, the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. There had to be blood shed. The nakedness, the shame of Adam and Eve. They were created naked. They were created pure. But when they disobeyed and they ate of that forbidden tree, the fruit of that, they died. In fact, they worse than died. They were full of guilt and shame. And they sought to cover themselves with leaves, which in a couple of days just wither away. And back in those days, they didn't have a Uniqlo. So the Lord slew an animal. I believe it was a lamb. An animal had to die that Adam and Eve be clothed with their skins. And of course, we've talked many, many times here about the Chinese-Japanese word kanji for righteousness. And maybe this is new to some of you. When I said righteousness, I meant to say gi. I think it's the same word in Chinese, isn't it? Gi? Yes. The lamb over me. And so with the sacrificed lamb, when God looks at us, with Jesus covering us, he sees us as righteous. Not naked and despicable, not blaming us, but covering us. What a message of salvation. God is so wise to give us language. And then it came to Japan. And you haven't changed that. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing to share with your friends. Think about that. Share it with your friends, your neighbors, your family, your children. That is what the message is. There can't be any other explanation, I don't think. The lamb over me, I stand righteous. My sins are forgiven. What a blessing. What a blessing. The Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then Genesis 14:16, And Melchizedek, 
king of Salem, who was a king that came out of nowhere. No history of him. We don't know who he really was. But when Abraham went to rescue his wayward and disobedient nephew, Lot, because they had been all captured, when Abraham went there, he got all the captives free and was bringing them back with all of the goods that he had taken away from the enemy. This king, this mysterious king, came forward and Abraham gave him a tithe of all that he had taken. The king of Salem. Salem means peace. Peace. King of peace. Wow. He was the priest of the Most High God. Okay, let's get into some history here. Exodus 12, 18 to 20 says, In the first month, from the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwelling places. You shall eat unleavened bread. Can somebody give me a quick definition? What is leaven? Yeast. Yeast. What is yeast? Good, bad, or what? what is it? How many like leaven? I do too. And those light, fluffy buns that you get in Japan that squish down to nothing when they when you put them in your mouth. That's leaven that's holding that up. It's basically gas that is let loose in the in the flour. But God says it's like sin. Leaven is like sin. Puffs up becomes proud, and it's full of nothing, no substance to it. So God said, hey guys, this is going to be something of substance that you should eat, unleavened bread. And we're going to eat some in just a few moments here. It's not going to be fluffy. It's going to be good. And we're going to enjoy that together. But we don't want sin in our lives. And that's what it was talking about. It goes on to say, Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, a plant, and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel, the board over top of the door and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. And that night, a death angel came over Egypt and everywhere that there was no blood over the lintel and the doorpost, the oldest son died in that household. And I believe that there were also probably some unbelieving Israelites who thought, well, this is a crazy thing to do. And they didn't do it. And their eldest son 
their firstborn died. We don't know how. But he died. And that happened in many households throughout Egypt. New Testament teaching. Matthew 26, uh, 26 to 28. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread. What kind of bread do you think it was? Unleavened bread. And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I want you to see that one word that I underlined there. After blessing it, he broke it. It was a loaf very much like this. And it says that Jesus broke it. And he gave it to them. What does that speak of? Some people in some translations say that Jesus said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat it. That is a mistranslation, I believe. Jesus' body was not broken. No bones in his legs were broken when the soldiers came to see whether those three men hanging on their crosses were alive or not. The ones on either side of Jesus' cross were still alive. And so they would take a, some kind of an instrument and break their legs. Why? Because this was Passover. And those men could not hang there all that day. And so breaking their legs, it prevented those men from breathing. And so they quickly died of suffocation in their own body fluids. But Jesus, he was already dead when they came. So they did not break his legs. And so it was a prophecy that his legs were not broken. Another sign that he was God's chosen lamb. Amazing, these details that we know and found out. And so when when it says, Take this bread, it is my body for you, not body that was broken for you. What it really means is break it and distribute it among yourselves. Share it is what the, the word really means. Take this bread and share it among yourselves. Matthew 26 also continues, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Luke says, And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That's what this celebration is about. Remembering what he has done for us. We forget so easily, don't we? 
there is so many things that come into our lives. Sometimes it's hard to sort out what is important and what is not. And it's very important for us to remember the Lord's death until he come. First Corinthians says, For I received from the Lord that what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This is a time of remembering. Now, sitting here, when was the first time you heard the name Jesus, Yeshua, Yesu? Can you remember the first time when you heard that name? I can. In fact, it was a new name to me, at least in the context of the home that I had gone to live. And they kept saying Jesus and Jesus. Jesus was a common name that they used in that home that I went to live with because they were believers in Jesus Christ. And that's how I learned that name. First Corinthians 11.26 For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Wow. So we are doing what? We are proclaiming. We're proclaiming. Now, if somebody asked you, what did you do in church today? Well, we had communion together. We were a bunch of brothers and sisters that got together and we had a meal of bread, not wine, but juice. By the way, it's, I'm not against wine for communion. But there's some people that can't have wine, so we revert to grape juice. But this is a family celebration. The disciples day by day were continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. They were partying from one house to another. And they had just seen the the Lord crucified and resurrected. And now he wasn't with them. But he had given them his Holy Spirit to be in them. And they were full of joy as they came together, understanding what they had participated in. The first thing, Jesus shared his last supper with his disciples the night before he went to the cross. It was the beginning of Passover. It was to fulfill all righteousness. That's what the cross is about. Jesus fulfilled that as the Lamb of God. And Jesus is the Passover Lamb. All those animals that were killed, thousands of them, thousands, millions perhaps, this was the only 
legitimate one. All the rest were pointing to the genuine, the real Lamb of God. And that's what John meant when he said, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We'll talk about that a little bit later here. The bread represents his body. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. This is Jesus speaking. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Okay, this is going to get interesting here. The wine represents his shed blood. So in John 6, 53, 56, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me, and I in him. Okay. I know what was in your head, because it's been in mine many a time. What, what a gruesome description that Jesus is giving to these people. Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. How ignominious. But you know what? We don't have the context. And the context is they were taking lambs for hundreds of years and sacrificing them and seeing that lamb dead and bloody and then taking the lamb home and roasting it and eating it. That was the context that Jesus was saying to them. It wasn't gruesome at all. What he was saying is, I'm the promised righteous one, the anointed one, to come and rid you of your sin, releasing you from your sins. I am the Lamb of God. And John is my witness. Look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the context. So what Jesus was saying should have been, whoa, that's right. There has been a promised Savior that would come and release us from our sins, set us free. Surely he is the Son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Does that make spiritual sense? Does that make it come alive now? Not being gruesome and gory. Yes, his death was ignominious. But he went there for you and me because that's what we deserved. That was the punishment we, as criminals, deserve. But he, the Lamb of God, 
gives himself for us that we might live. And all my sin, all that was against me, all that would be pointed to me and say, you deserve to go to hell forever. That was removed from us. We had become the recipients of an incredible gift of God's love, giving his son like Abraham was willing to do. But Isaac would never have been enough. He would have been like one of the other animals that were slain. It would never have been enough. Only the Son of God. Only the Lamb of God. The Lamb over me. Only one Lamb over me makes me righteous. What an incredible story we have as Christians to be able to share that and that understanding of where we come and participate in this celebration. It is time for believers to bless and encourage one another and to give praise to Father God for sending his Son, Jesus. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. In the New Testament, there are no special rituals required regarding the celebration of communion. But there are many traditions and rituals surrounding communion. I want to strip away some of the thoughts that we have about communion that I think hinder our relationship with the Lord and with the partaking of communion. There's a lot of mystery that has been mixed up in this celebration. And we'd like to clear it scripturally and how to do it and and how it should be looked to as something very natural to our, our life as Christians. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men rather than according to Christ. And I think it's very needful for us to know that this communion meal is not going to save you. It has no value in and of itself. Only that which you confess Jesus to be your Savior That's your only assurance. So this is not just a a ritual tradition. We practice it here on a monthly basis. There's no instruction to tell us when we should do this. The disciples, those early Christians, they did it, it sounds like, every day as they were going from house to house. One of the fun things that, well, I shouldn't use the word fun because fun is kind of a, light, meaningless word, but it has been a joy for Katie and I to have guests over to just share unleavened bread and wine or juice together and remember the Lord before we had a nice meal. Have you ever thought of doing such a thing? The early Christians did it. 
And there were no rules or laws as to how you were supposed to do it. It's a wonderful celebration. I encourage you to do that in your home. The Lord bless you as you take that suggestion. By receiving the bread and the wine, we are indicating that we truly believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. This is a believer's meal. This is for those who truly have asked Jesus Christ into their lives and said, Jesus, forgive my sins. Be my Savior. I trust in you. I follow you. You qualify. There's nothing that you have to sign to say, well, or join the church or anything like that. This is what we call a believer's open communion. This is for believers. And really, like I shared with you, I don't think there's an age limit on it either. I could say some more things, but you can ask me later. There is no merit nor reward in taking communion. So receiving this communion today, you're not any cleaner, any holier, other than the fact that before we take this communion, we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to search our hearts and confess and allow him to work in our lives. It is not for forgiveness nor removal of our guilt or sin. 1 Corinthians 11.26 For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.